You're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, it's America's Talk Radio Show about opera. It's Opera Box Score. I'm Jordan Cedarquist, flying solo this week. The rest of the team off for Labor Day here in the U.S. of A. In this episode, it's a rerun of our Inside the Huddle interview with Ying Fang. Her star is rising. Oliver wanted to get her voice back on the show. More about that in a second. Bit of sports talk before we get into it. The draft for the Opera Philadelphia Fantasy Football League, of which Opera Box Score is, of course, a part, is back for yet another year. Yours truly doing the draft with Tobias Wright running the week-to-week operations of the team. We did so well last year. I think we made it to the semifinals. I got a really good feeling about this year, despite the fact that our draft was given the grade of a D-. minus by the eggheads at Yahoo Sports. Here's the beauty of this draft, is that there's great administrators, singers, all part of the draft. And Tender Lawrence Brownlee is part of the circle that plays in this fantasy football league. And the beauty of having him on Zoom with a whole bunch of other people just talking about football while he is in London preparing for a recital at the Wigmore Hall, it just makes you smile. It's the perfect combination of opera and sports to me. Great people, great artists, and of course, great sports. It is once again time to Festival O. Opera Philadelphia is back with the fifth iteration of its annual season opening festival, O23. Brings a star-studded lineup of 33 performances to six venues over 11 days from September 21st to October 1st. Highlights include the world premiere of 10 Days in a Madhouse from composer Rene Orth and librettist Hannah Moscovich about the work of trailblazing reporter Nellie Bly. This new opera stars soprano Kira Duffy as Nellie, mezzo Rayan Bryce Davis in her company debut as Lizzie, and baritone Will Liverman as Dr. Blackwell. Verdi's Simone Bocanegra returns to the Academy of Music for the first time in 40 years, with baritone Quinn Kelsey in the title role, soprano Ana Maria Martinez as his long-lost daughter Amelia, bass Christian Van Horm as Fiesco, and tenor Richard Trey Smagor as Gabriella. The New York Times called Festival O, quote, a hotbed of operatic innovation, Find out why. Visit operaphila.org or call 215-732-8400 and ask for Jeff, winner of last season's Opera Philadelphia Fantasy Football League. You can save 25% off your order with the promo code GEORGESTINKS. No, seriously, that is actually the promo code. Use GEORGESTINKS at operaphila.org. Almost two years ago... Oliver went inside the huddle with soprano Ying Fang on singing Mozart Ina's, those many roles that end in Ina, when she was at the Santa Fe Opera. Check it out. Huddle up. Let's go inside the huddle. While I was at Santa Fe Opera, I was able to harvest a bunch of interviews. And when we come back from our break, we have a very, very special guest. Hear more about that at the end of this episode. But today, 
we have Ying Fang. And I have to tell you, Ying Fang sang Zerlina in Chicago uh, a couple, I guess, two seasons ago because last season didn't happen. And I didn't know who she was. But I just remember saying, oh, wow, that's a real solid voice. That's a that's a great actress. Um, I'm going to remember that name. And then she appeared in the Metropolitan Opera uh, broadcast of uh, Clemente de Tito. She sang Servilia. Um, and then I saw her on the cast list for um, Marriage of Figaro at Santa Fe Opera. I was like, okay, I'm going to get to hear her again. And she does not disappoint. I mean, she sings other things besides Mozart. If you look at her website, you've seen that she's done uh, the Do Fairy in Hansel and Gretel. She's done that little Janetta role in Elixir of Love. She's done some Handel. She's done some Rossini. But right now, her bread and butter are the Mozart, Ina, and Etta roles. Uh, she'll be coming back to Chicago to sing Pamina in the Magic Flute in the Barry Kosky production. Finally, mm-hmm. we'll get to see it here. Uh, she did Elia with Peter Sellers. I forget maybe I forget exactly where that happened. Um, but there's a great video of her singing Zafiretti. And you should look for that video because she is an incredible actress. And it's like she's she's like singing for the TV screen. Um, and she will um be doing uh I forgot what. There's another thing that's happening with her. But anyway, oh, you can look for her Netherlands opera uh performance of Susanna on on YouTube as well, where she sings Devani Non Tardar. Uh, it's just an excerpt from the Netherlands. And we're going to listen to both of those performances, the Zephyretti at the beginning of this interview and the Mozart at the end of this interview, if you are listening on the podcast. Sorry, TDO audience. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we can't afford the rights to those things. <laughs> but I just want to say that I begin the interview kind of pressing her on how and why she's such a great actress where'd she get these skills and like actually i spent the first 10 minutes in the interview trying to get this out of her and she was like you know what i went to school in shanghai then i went to juilliard and this just like my training and it's just my experiences so she is one of those actresses she's just so natural gestures just flow out of her and are timed perfectly with her singing she makes the most beautiful facial expressions while she's singing um, it's great, but she doesn't know that she's doing it. Um, so, oh, well, I asked her. Uh, but we'll you'll hear me still insisting uh, as we go into this interview. And once again, here's a little bit of her singing Zeffiretti. And when you sang, 
Um, Elia for Peter Sellers, did mm-hmm. he tell you you have to tilt your head like this, you know, or you have to touch your face right now? Like, because it looks so, no. it is so, this video of you singing Zephyretti, it's it's a film. It's so gorgeous oh, to look at. Yeah. And it, it so really much. it really looks directed by a film director, you know? Well, I actually, um, I think the thing about Peter is he, the way he works, it's very different. It's very soulful, I would say, because he's such a good, a great thinker. And you just feel enlightened, enlightened when you are around him. And when he directs, he doesn't give you things to do, orders you to do things. He would feel with you. That's what I felt when I worked with him. So, for example, when I'm like singing my aria, I'm going through all those emotions. And then you can see that on his face while you're doing it. And that's very special and liberating in one way, you know. But... um he would just give you this general idea of, okay, so you are, for example, for Tefiretti, he just said, just sit on the ground and feel the breath coming. Your <laughs> and it's just, you know, and you just put yourself in that mood and in that situation as character and also yourself. And everything just comes naturally after that, okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, you say it comes naturally, but I think you are drawing on your training even when you don't know it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. I, I'll leave. I'll leave you alone on that. Um, so okay. you're at Santa Fe Opera right now, and you are in the middle of a run of Marriage of Figaro, mm-hmm. and um, I saw it earlier this week, and I just want to talk about Susanna a little bit because it seems to be a calling card role for you. And I know that it's a very long role and you're basically on stage the entire opera. And, you know, we got to act four and you delivered Devieni. And I'm sure you realized, you noticed the audience was just holding their breath. And the ovation you received at the end of the aria was clearly the most enthusiastic and longest ovation of the entire night. And uh, it was well-deserved. And I, as a person who loves Mozart, you know, I love that aria. I know how many different meanings that aria has. And depending mm-hmm. on who's listening and what context, exactly. it, it's just so complicated, even though it comes off as so simple. And there's two things mm-hmm. there. Being simple, but also singing with your most beautiful tone that you can muster after mm-hmm. three and a half, after three and a half hours. Um it's a real coup, you know, and you pulled it off so gracefully and so authentically. And um, I just you. was completely blown away by it. Um, so uh, if you want to talk about Devieni and how you pace yourself to be ready for that moment, or if you want to talk yeah. about pacing yourself with the whole opera, please let us know how you do this because it's so amazing. Yeah. Well, you are right about Susanna. I think it's one of the most demanding and longest roles written for my voice type, I would say. But um, I think it takes experiences for me to really get comfortable with this role because this is my fourth production of Le Noce di Figaro, singing Susanna. So 
I still remember the first time I did this role was when I was in Juilliard. And uh, I remember I lost a lot of weight <laughs> just being in the rehearsal period because she, oh, she's always on stage and she moves all the time. She's always on top of her game, you know? It's really very physical, not only vocally, but like, I mean, it's very taxing, not only vocally, but also physically. So it's, I started to accept the fact that every time I do the role of Susanna, I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> the Susanna diet. <laughs> the Susanna diet, Susanna workout. Um, but yeah, um, I think it takes, you know, experiences really to know how to pace myself well, because everyone is different. Um, for me, I would say um, I would actually pace myself very carefully in the first two acts because especially act two because act two she's basically on stage the whole time and then we have the intermission and act three and four i think i have some time off stage so for me it's really the most important is the first two acts if i could pace myself well i know i'll be fine for the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, and then singing Devieni, um, mm. you know, this aria, you can listen to Lucia Pop or Kathleen Battle. There are so many great Mozartians, yeah. you know. I don't know. What are you thinking in that moment when it's just pizzicato strings mm. and you're basically singing a cappella, <laughs> you know? Yeah. At the end of the night? Like, how are you? I mean, what are you doing? Are you really trying to think, okay, beautiful tone, beautiful tone, beautiful tone, you know? Legato. <laughs> What's going on in your head? I think at that, because I know this aria so well now, I, mm. I could basically sing it when I'm asleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that also helps tremendously that I don't have to think too mm. much technical things when I'm doing this aria, because when you, when you free yourself from these thoughts, you are more available in the moment. And I think it's all about in the moment because every night is different and you have different feelings every night, but to employ what is available that night, emotionally, physically, mentally, I think that's the beauty of singing opera in general, I think. You just need to be available for that beautiful music and moment. I think that's me. I didn't really think too much technical things but i just allowed myself to enjoy the moment okay so you have a, a yeah. very good ear you're not you're not, never worried about pitch in that aria um i would say i'm lucky about pitch yes yeah. um but singing mozart and singing in general it's just you have to very be very sensitive about pitch all the time right especially in mozart because you're literally it's transparent. You have nowhere to hide. So yeah. Well, anyway, I, I I could listen to you sing that aria again and again. It was really exquisite. So congratulations on being Thank able to do so that. <laughs> Thank um, you. So is there anything you want to say? We were talking about the transparency of mm -hmm. Mozart. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything else you can say about these women that you play? Like what is the through line or what is the thing that you know is different between each of these characters and what you have to bring? Yeah. Like between Zelina and Pamina and mm -hmm. Ilya. Um, yeah, these are all 
you know, roles that we categorize as the same fuck, but yeah. they're not the, they're not the same girl, you know? They are totally different. I would say Talina and Susanna, they're more in the same group. And mm-hmm. Ilya and Pamina, they're more like heroines. They're mm-hmm. princesses. They so they are in that group. So Talina, I would say Talina is even more earthier than Susanna. She she's just a peasant girl, you know, um, maybe no education at all. She is just, yeah, she, but she takes opportunities when she can, right? When she met Don Giovanni and when he seduced her to this very promising future, she actually went for it a little bit until she realized it's, you know, a lie. But um, I think she's brave, very brave in her own way, like Susanna. Because I think she's still in as brave to admit that she made a mistake. And she would just, and she knows exactly how to get her way around Mazetto to, you know, to get him to get back to her again. I think that's Selena. And Susanna, she is brave and smart. And I would say she is the way about her bravery is she would stood up for herself in that time period when women were considered literally just a part of property and when the class division is so evident she would stood up for herself and say no i don't want this and let's find a way to get this out of the possibilities and let's work and she basically she's the one i mean figaro was clueless about what's happening Right, he didn't know that the count is after her, and Susanna was just this magical woman that tied everything together, everyone together, to this conclusion of the count. Say, I'm so sorry <laughs> to the countess. I think that's amazing. That's I the. Ma- I mean, she's just amazing character, and also like the thing about Susanna is. She would get frustrated. She would get hit. She would get, you know, um, go to this down place. But she would always bounce right back. She would laugh about it. And that's so special about her. And I think especially during this time, you know, during this pandemic, we all need to have some of Susanna in us. Yeah. I, I don't know if you ever, if you ever watch... Um, Downton Abbey. Yeah. Show. Okay. So yeah. I feel like now that many, uh, a lot of people in the culture have seen, you know, this portrayal of uh, servitude and the amount of work that, you know, goes on in these households and how you have to always present a smiling face. And like, you know, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of drama happening with the Lord and lady of the house, you know, but you still yeah. have to pretend like everything is great, even yes. though you might have your own inner turmoil. I feel like that's audi- your work. That's your yeah. job. Yeah. I feel like audiences are much more going to be much more receptive to a character like Susanna and Figo because they, they can relate it to exactly. something that they, they've seen seven seasons of, you know, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> totally, I agree. And so have you already sung Pamina? Or will this be your first Pamina when you come I to actually have sung Pamina, I think maybe twice already. Yes. In Chicago probably could be the third time doing that. And how many yeah. Ilias have you sung at this point? 
Um, two. The first time was my debut of the role was at the Met. Wow. How nerve wracking, right? Yeah. But um, was that I have the, to say, I was really lucky. Was that the、yeah. Panel production? Okay. Was a Panel production, and I was actually one. I did one performance, so it's it was a cover and one performance. Okay. Kind of contract that I had. So you are having a career that I I, I also sang, but nowhere like nearly as well as you do.、Oh. But you are having the type of career that I'm so envious of, and that you are working in these you know major institutions like the Met, and you also are collaborating with the more niche conductors like Emmanuel、mm-hmm. Hayim and、yes. Natalie Stutzman. So I'm just curious, what quality、mm-hmm. do you bring, or do you have that? Makes you attractive to both sides here, you know, because I feel like sometimes these early music historically informed conductors they're more attracted to the singers that can be more specific in their style that they like, and they mm-hmm, shy away. Mm-hmm. They shy away from artists who are too quote unquote operatic, you know. Right. Um. I think first of all, the repertoire, the pieces that I have done with them. Luckily, fits my voice. All fits my voice. It's all the repertoire that I wanted to do now, and I think though they fit my voice very well. But、uh, on the note of different styles, I would say it's it should be in your vocabulary, vocal co- vocabulary in training. Means you should be very flexible to do whatever the conductors want you to and. Um, so for me, I think I, I, you know, I think I love singing Baroque music, and it suits my voice very well. It's part of my repertoire. So、um, you just have to be able to、um, do what they ask you to do. Like Emmanuel,、uh, that was the first time working with her. She is very, very specific. She would literally write. All the ornaments down for you. Every single ornaments she would write them down. So that's I mean that's pretty easy, right? You don't have to、yeah. improvise or. But、um, Natalie, she is also a singer, right? She was、mm-hmm. a singer and now she conducts. So she knows singers very well. So that's very comfortable when you work with a conductor that knows the voice so well.、Mm-hmm. And that was I think I worked.、Uh, that was Masaya that I did with her. So that Masaya is also, I mean, a piece that I love doing, and I think it's perfect for my voice right now. So that, yeah. So those, I think, worked out perfectly fine. So after working with some of these more stylish conductors, do you ever、mm-hmm. take any of that what you learn from them to you know a conductor like Sir Andrew Davis or you know the conductor? Do you ever bring some of those stylish ideas and see if they fly, or you're like, you know what, I just got to be louder in this space, so I'm going to sing everything on the breath and everything、uh, to the end of the phrase, you know? I would say, yeah, that's a very good point.、Um, artistically, I think you know when you work with conductors like that, when they sp- like.、Um, Specialize in Baroque music; it really opens up your mind of what you could do in those repertoire, and I think that's the key point. You should, because sometimes when you listen to,、um, I don't know, when when you work with different conductors, 
you have different um, perspectives, right, of what is possible. So I think the the key is to combine all those and have them in your reservoir mm-hmm. of vocal vocabulary, so you can use them when you feel like it's necessary. But they will always tell you what they want, though. If you do something they didn't like, they will let you know. <laughs> That's the point. But you shouldn't uh, be intimidated from doing what's possible, I think. But also, um, when you're singing in houses like the mat and lyric, I wouldn't go like as quiet or as pianissimo as I would in European houses or in a concert, for sure. Because being heard is also very important in big houses like that. So I think that's a different technical approach and mental. Well, how does Santa Fe Opera fit in that, in your sort of like range of spaces that you sing in? Because I've never sung in an amphitheater, so I have no idea yeah. what is required and how much of yourself you hear back. But in Devieni Non Tardar, you floated some of those last phrases, like very, very quiet. And like I yes. said, the, the audience was holding their breath because they wanted to hear it, you know. How is it like to sing in Santa Fe? And what do you, how do you feel when you're on that stage? Oh, I have to tell you, it's magical. First of all, to be able to sing outdoor with like real breath, breathe on your face, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> Not to mention, I mean, I couldn't really see much of the view, but you could from the audience, right? Stunning, I mean, yeah. The, the view is just stunning. And every time I was just waiting um, to enter the stage, I would just look out to inhale the beauty mm-hmm. of that view. It's so special. And moreover, the acoustics are surprisingly good, I have to say, for a outdoor theater. And um, maybe the set helped also because we had these walls behind us and everything. Mm-hmm. But I had no problem hearing myself, but I would say Santa Fe is maybe in the middle okay. Okay, of big theaters and um, European houses and concerts. Um, that allows me to take risks like that, to sing really the way I want it, these delicate moments, and to be heard at the same time. Yeah. And to, to like you said, to be in the moment and to just let to be available to what comes in uh, while you're singing the aria because that you can, is yeah and also sorry and also I mean the environment really helps too you are outdoor mm-hmm. see she's singing that in a garden right in mm-hmm. giardino it kind of feels like that and it's a summer night it's so nice you know it's pleasant to be outside it's there's nothing like it really. Okay, so we we finished our commercial for Santa Fe Opera. (laughs) (laughs) Ying Feng, it has been such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for being on Opera Box Score. Thank you so much, Oliver. It's a pleasure. It's so much fun.
good call, bad call on Opera Box Score. Well, a shorter show this week just to keep our voices in your ears. Hope you enjoyed that blast from the past with soprano Ying Fong. Get this, OBS Season 9 kicks off Thursday, September 14th. We've got an all-new show when we go inside the huddle with some of the participants from the 2023 Opera Philadelphia Festival 023. We've got a brand new website as well, launching. It's going to make it easier for you to get everything you want out of our show and get your voice heard. Good call, bad call is how we're going to take you home. Good call from yours truly. I went to see the Broadway musical MJ on its national tour when it came to Chicago. Here's the thing. I love the music of Michael Jackson. And this show will appeal to anybody who likes good musical theater. This show truly is phenomenal. I haven't seen a lot of jukebox musicals. I don't know if I like the form. This show, with a book by Lynn Nottage, choreographed and directed by Christopher Wilden, is utterly superb. Amazing dancing, obviously amazing music, and movingly and seamlessly tells the story of Michael Jackson, his childhood, his rise to fame, and his struggles. If it comes to your town, or if you go to Broadway, check out MJ the Musical, and even opening in the West End in London in March of next year. That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Send us that voice memo. Email us your hot takes, operaboxscore at gmail.com. You can find links to stuff we've talked about at our website, operaboxscore.com. It's also where you can put your money where our mouths are. Give back to the OBS on our donate page. Your announcer is Norm Waddell. Your creative consultant is Oliver Camacho. And your audio editor is Weston Williams. For my co-hosts on every episode, they're Matt Cummings and Ashley Hardgrave. I'm George Cedarquist asking you to continue the conversation about opera, whether it's a holiday or not. We're back with an all-new show next week when Season 9 of the OBS kicks off. Plus, you get more opera headlines, more hot takes, and more hot weather.